It's time for America's most unique motorsports show, Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys, brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. I'm Scott Trailer. He's Kirk Elliott. We are the Racing Boys. Todd Surprise leading the show, taking care of everything. And I just want to start off by saying to Todd Surprise, Happy 30th anniversary, my friend. You and your wife have been married for 30 years, man. That that that's that's a long time. It is a long time. I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. Um yeah, 30th 1993. Uh we tied the knot in a 93. 1993 in a small ceremony in Overland Park at a little church and a couple hundred of our best friends and family and luckily enough my mom was still alive to be able to see that and like I said, and my dad was still well enough to be able what, to travel. What, what year did your mom pass? Um, my son was two years old. He was born in 2006, so 2004-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then my mom passed in 09. Yeah. And when, when did your mom pass, Kurt? Uh, 2001. 2001. Exactly a month before 9-11. Oh yeah. yeah, I know that. I I, I remember we were at the Knoxville. I, I, I remember Kirk yeah. Elliott telling me how much it bothered him that he couldn't talk to his mom during nine eleven. Yeah, remember yeah, that, Kirk? Yeah, that was worst day of my life. Nine eleven, worst day of my life. Everything uh, is exactly a month after my mom died, and when that all went down, reached down and tried to pick up the phone to call my mom, and realized she that, wasn't there. Yeah. But it was a horrible day for everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think all three of us can speak um, with a lot of authority that our mom, my mom, because I was an only child and I lived with my mom. My mom was a single parent yep. and, and I grew up with my mom and I know that your mom was very important to you, and I know, Todd, that your mom was really important yeah. to you as and well. And, you know, I'm very blessed to have known your mom. You did get to meet my mom, didn't you? I did. When what did a you, wonderful lady she was. Did, you went up there. Did you come up to the house and meet her at the house? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I visited with her on numerous occasions. But, you know, my mom, let me just say, my mom was a lot of like, a lot like me she could say some she could say some things that would stick you a little bit well she was honest your mom was an honest woman my mom was as most uh, as honest as anybody could yeah. ever be to and be so honest was my mom you. for yep. that matter but uh 9-11 you know what got me out of the funk of 9-11 you know the, all that week everybody remembers that was going back to the racetrack Lakeside right. Speedway that Friday night, and I felt like normalcy again. Just getting back to the racetrack. Just getting back to the racetrack. That's right. Well, yeah. congratulations, Todd, on your yeah, wedding anniversary. Going out, You've got a going lovely out. wife hey, and a hey great man, family. I, I, you I, are blessed. I, you have a great family. I appreciate You've that. got a great family, buddy. Going out to dinner tonight. And Where are you going to dinner? Well, we usually, we're usually we usually a Hereford house. We've got a Hereford house close to our house. Oh. So we, am Do I you wife? ever go up to the one at Zona Rosa? I've been to the one there. We've been to original, and then we have one out here in Shawnee that we usually go to. And people, The Shawnee one's kind of 
people, a lot of people don't know it's there, so we kind of get in and out. Uh, but being it's a Monday night, we shouldn't have a problem getting a table uh, in Kansas Her- City. Herford House is the best steakhouse Real in good. Kansas City. I mean, there's some. You can pay more for the same steak. Right. I mean, like 801 Chop House and all that. There's some awesome steakhouses here in Kansas City, but you can't go wrong with. Uh, Herford, Herford House. House. We used to go. Our 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 <laughs> wedding dinner was at Casconi's, which was a famous. Oh man, it's you know, one of the greatest Italian restaurants yeah. in Kansas City. But Casconi's I, is. It is. Yeah. And but I don't eat as much Italian food as as I used to. My the, the red sauce tears me up, so I we we stay away from the that. The red sauce tears you up. It sure does. What's it give you the? Just the, hurts the my runs. stomach. That just hurts my stomach. It does. It just really hurts my stomach. Uh-uh. But I want to also say my stepdad. We were talking about losing their mom. My stepdad. He just lost his mom two nights ago, I guess it would be now, and she was 102 years old. Holy cow. Anybody that lives to 102 years old has seen a lot in life. You can't feel feel bad. I mean, you you feel bad that you've lost someone that's been around that long, but for 102 years old, she's seen everything. Like, she's seen it all. Deidre's uh, Aunt Gert... Is just about ready to turn 100. Well, well, well let me uh, tell you. Can you imagine living to 100? If you Kirk? lived in Kansas City back in the day, you did taxes with the whole tax service. Somebody has done, and she was your tax lady. And, and she did it up she until she was 100 years old. She was working into her very, very late 90s and pretending still, they still let her pretend to work up into her 100s. So. She just got downhill. Pretend to work. Yeah, you know, give her some stuff to kind of <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I talked to a man 101 years old on Saturday night. How cool is I that? I was at a Hall of Fame function in my hometown of Matter, Iowa, and his name is Jake Daly, and he was at the ceremony, and he remembered who I was, and we had a conversation. I had a conversation with a 101-year-old man on Saturday night. How and about that? And he went cool. into the hall I, of fame. I, am, that was I, cool. I, I can't wait for Deidre's Aunt Gert to, to turn 100. It's just a— Because she—listen, uh, she tells me all the time, I just wish I'd die. Well, let me tell you, that's my grandmother. <laughs> my grandmother said that the last 10 years of her life. Yeah. I just wish— And so she made it another 10 years past saying that. But, yes— um, like you said, when you can make it to the century mark in this day and age, that's you're you're saying a lot I, of I'm things. I'm not. I, I I don't think I'll I'm make not it one to long, 100. I'm not long for this for that long. You <laughs> might, Todd. You you could live to a hundred. Well, my my grandma and grandpa both were ninety six and ninety seven respectively, and then my grandma on other side was ninety two. So right. Yeah, but anyway, go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, in addition to uh, 101-year-old Jake Daly, who went into that Hall of Fame on Saturday night, one of the oldest friends I knew, unfortunately, passed away three years ago, and he was a great race fan. He was a huge fan of sprint car racing, and uh, we went to races together. He also went into I the like Hall of him. Fame. Bob Ricker is his name, so uh, all the best to and, and uh, he Pam was a- and his family. One of the biggest race fans I know who no longer with us, went into that same hall. And, and he was a, a huge sprint car fan. He was, and a huge fan I, of the racing boys. I, too, I, hey, listen, I I love people that are sprint car fans. Yeah, he was the biggest. Let's he get, was the biggest. Let's get into it, Kirk. Ryan Timms picks up the win um, last night because they got rained out on Saturday night. And unfortunately... I had some truck issues going on with my truck, and I I wanted to get home during the day. I didn't want to drive home at night. 
with that truck overheating. And um, so I, I drove home yesterday, and I watched it on TV last night. Yeah, I watched the race, too. I, 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 hate, I hate that that I had to leave, but I had some truck issues, as you know, Kurt. Right, and I had planned on being there on Saturday night, but I uh, wanted to be at the Hall of Fame for my good race friend on Saturday night. So I wasn't able to be at the Jesse Hockett Daniel McMillan Memorial this year, but I watched all the races on Race and Dirt, and it was a great show. You know, especially the non-wing race yesterday, I thought it was a great race. Ricky Lewis coming from outside the top 10 to win from California. And what a year he has had. Was he had like 13 wins this year? Ricky Lewis in that 41 car was the man in the non-wing racing. And, uh, yeah, congratulations to Ryan Timms, who won the, his preliminary night on the opening night of the Hockett McMillan Memorial and backed it up by uh, holding off uh, – Jake Buback and the other contenders in the uh, race on Saturday night. Uh, and we're trying to get a hold of Ryan Timms, but I, I'm not so sure. He might be in school. He might be in school. You never <laughs> we were know. We are just talking about that. <laughs> just I was just never know that. He's young enough to still be in. My son's still in school, and I'm like you said, his early release is 1.30, so I seriously doubt we'll probably hear from him. He'll probably have a bunch. I'm sure his phone is blowing up today. I, oh, no doubt so about it. So I'm sure he probably, here's what his teachers probably said. Just go ahead and put it on mute for the day, and or, and then you can get back to him, Matt, because I'm sure right. he's having a phone blow-up issue. <laughs> well, it well was, we'll continue to try to get a hold of him. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But in the meantime. It was, a, you know, it was a great effort by Ryan Timms. Uh, you got Jimmy Jones and Billy Lawhead and that 5T carb. It's, it, I don't think, how much they run that car this year? They, it's full-time midget driver this year in the uh, hey. National Midget Series, but... Uh, you know, Ryan Timms uh, really had it working this weekend at Wheatland, Missouri. Hey, I just got a reply from Ryan Timms. He's going to be on at 115 with us. Okay. Right. Terrific. And we got Ricky Lewis coming up here in just a little right. while. Yep, no doubt about it. Ricky Lewis, um, Kirk, an exceptional run by Ricky Lewis starting 11th and working his way through the field. Um he had to pass a lot of good cars. Corey Schutte, Mario Clauser, Casey Schumann, Matt Sherrill, Jesse Vermillion. There was a lot of good cars in that race. And he had to fend off Xavier Doney at the end. Doney had actually grabbed the lead after Lewis had taken his first I, lead with about 11 laps to go. I thought... I thought Xavier was going to win the race. Hey, he had a fast race car, but yep. his good car was crashed on Thursday night when he got upside down after a tire goes down. So this was their wing car with the wing engine in it that Xavier Doney was driving on let, Saturday Let night. me tell you something about when he got upside down on Saturday night, Kirk. When he was upside down, up against the wall, his foot was wide open on the gas. It, it it just wrung the rods out of that thing. That was on his preliminary night, right? That was on yeah. the preliminary night. But I'm telling you, when he was upside down, he revved the, the heck out of that motor. I'm just telling you, it, it turned probably 9,000 RPMs upside down. And they decided to change the motor in the car. Well, it was a completely different car yeah. and motor that he raced on Saturday night. 
So uh, the, he said the wing, that was actually his wing car with the wing engine that he was racing on Saturday night. And he still almost pulled it off. But Ricky Lewis had the fast race car. You'd agree with that. No, I, mean, I the definitely. Way he charged up through this. Ricky Lewis was definitely the fastest car on the track. Corey Schutte ends up third. He was the pole sitter in the race. Mario Clauser and Casey Schumann rounds out the top hey, five. I thought Corey Schutte was going to win that race there I for a too. minute. He yeah. was my pick before the night began. Who did I pick, Kirk? I picked Doney and Schutte as the two favorites to win yeah. that race. I didn't think anything about Ricky Lewis coming up through the field. I didn't either. I didn't think anybody could come from outside the top ten. And, and do what Ricky Lewis did, starting 11th. And you could tell right away how fast his car was, but it only took him a couple of laps to get up to 8th place. And then all of a sudden he was up into the top five a couple of laps later, so he steadily worked his way up through the field. And he was the one guy that was really making the low side of the racetrack work. Uh, I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to Jack Wagner. He started 18th, and he ended up running 9th. Yeah, and at one time he had to... He, had he was ripping the, the top he had to go clear to the back of the pack and then worked his way back up into the top 10. Had a flat, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm telling you, um, uh, Jack Wagner is an exceptional racer. Driving the Hawkett car. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and he can rip the top like nobody else. I mean, he was ripping the top of the racetrack at one time he was uh see he ended up in ninth place at one time he was up to as high as sixth i think mm-hmm. at uh at one point in the race so not only did he start 18th then he had to start way in the back and then made the biggest charge up through the field aside from the race winner ricky lewis yeah no doubt about it um what'd you think about ryan tim's performance kurt solid very solid. Of course, he had that uh, pole position starting spot. My pick going into the race was Jason Martin. He ends up in second after starting third. Jake Buback uh, battled with Ryan Timms early in the race, and Buback ends up in third place. But I thought the most exciting guy to watch in that race was Tim Estenson, who was really trying to make that top side work. He started 14th. And was up there challenger for the top five. He uh, ends up in fourth place. Uh, uh, Exciting run by Tim. I'm going to tell you who I thought was going to win that race. I thought Sean McClellan was going to yeah. win that race. He was up to second at one he, point. He was up to second at one point, but he faded there late in the race, and he ended up running sixth. But you know who my favorite was, as usual? Blake Hahn. Blake Hahn. You know, because we buy him fire suits every year. Right. And... Um, uh, I I I didn't think anything anybody had anything for Ryan Timms though. Did no. you? No, he didn't. And Blake had uh, he was running up the top three for a while, but uh, he, he led every lap and finished seventh in the race. He led every lap, didn't he? Ryan Timms led all the way. I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I don't think Buback was ever credited with the lead, was he? Did you think on? Jason Martin was going to get up there and give him some pressure? No, I, I didn't think Martin had anything for him. And he admitted as such in the uh, interview on Vic, on the front straightaway after the race. Jason was, had a big smile on his face. He was very happy. Why wouldn't he be yeah. happy? He's, uh, he's going to win this championship in the ASCS National Tour. And he knew and he admitted as much he didn't have anything for Ryan Timms. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Jake Buback. Would you consider him a surprise finishing on the podium? No. 
Hey, he won his preliminary night on Friday He's night. won a national tour event down in Texas Yeah, before. I mean, we knew that he was going to be a player before uh, Saturday night. Now it got rained out to Sunday. but Right. No, I'm, I'm not that. I, I would have expected Jake Buback to be a factor in that race. Well, I, 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 how about Hank Davis? He started ninth, and he ended up running fifth. Great finish by him. Yeah. But uh, McClellan, I th- I agree with you. I thought uh, Sean, Sean was McClellan gonna was going to be the biggest factor. I'm not sure exactly oh. what happened to him. He had a pretty solid second-place run going there for a great deal of that Hey, race. at one point, he had Ryan Tim set up and the caution yeah. come out. Did you see when he was, getting re- he, he was getting ready to pass yeah. Ryan Tim's yeah, and the yellow come out right, right then, right when he had him set up? Yeah. Yeah. Same circumstance. The yellow really hurt Xavier Doney in the in the non-wing race mm-hmm. when that late yellow came out in that race. So the late yellows didn't help any challengers. It helped the guys who were already out in front in both those races. Those late yellows just kind of solidified their runs to the checkered flag. Um, I I, I got to give a little bit of a shout out to Kyle Bellum. He looked pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's always strong at uh, Lucas Hole Speedway. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's he always gets around that yeah. place pretty good. Well, it's a bummer that uh, rain, Mother Nature intervened on Saturday night, but I thought the racetrack was in really good shape Look, yesterday. For the most part, it took some rubber, but I thought there was some racing going on. There was some passing happening. Uh, Sunday, I thought was the best racetrack of the whole week. The non-wing cars said it was starting to take rubber with yeah. them. Yeah, they said it. They, they were talking about how the track was starting to take a little bit of rubber. You know, but don't you agree yesterday's I, track was the best of the whole week? I, I think it was the best of the whole week. But the first two nights, to be honest with you, Kirk, not so good. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, and I we discussed this on Saturday morning, and I think a lot of it had to do with the lack of rain and hot weather that's that was at Lucas Hole Speedway over the uh, – previous four let, or five weeks let, that uh, there was there's not much moisture in the racetrack. Let me tell you something. When that rain came in on Saturday night, it was a barn burner of a storm. I mean, the rain was coming down hard. It had 50-mile-an-hour winds, and we were sitting in the RV, and that thing was a-rocking. Let me just tell you. It, it, it was a... I felt a little unsafe. We've sat in RVs at Lucas Hole Speedway before. Hey, Kirk. Wondering if we were going to blow away. Tell this. <laughs> tell the story about the time that we left after, what was it? Was it the Show Me 100? Uh, the Diamond Nationals. Diamond Nationals. It's before the Show Me 100 uh, was held at Lucas Hole Speedway. And, this is back like 2008 or nine, somewhere in there. And, 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 and then, Kirk, I was driving the Bounder at the time. Yeah. Remember that? We went through two bad storms sitting in that Bounder in the pits at Lucas Hole Speedway. Two bad storms right. in the afternoon. And then we so decided to leave. Before we all blow away. And I was following you south of Clinton, or I think it was north of Clinton. I, I can't remember. We were Somewhere up around in Clinton, around Missouri. Clinton. Yeah. And we almost hit another tornado getting the thing back to Kansas City. Hey, that thing was a leaning, wasn't it? 
you, you had all you could handle oh my that gosh. thing on the road. That was something. I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, so, um, I, I, what? Uh, that's a really uh, satisfying win for Ricky Lewis, I would think, with the War Series, right? Yeah, and he, uh, in Victory Lane, and we'll talk to him here just a little bit, he was a very young, he's 25 years old. He's won uh, like 13 races this year, but been a really strong non-wing guy out on the West Coast this year. And he comes to Wheatland, Missouri, and uh, shows everybody how it's done. So he, uh, he was really impressive. And Jack Hockett and Victory Lane, uh, very appreciative of uh, what uh, Jesse Hockett was, even though he wasn't old enough to really remember him that much racing out on the West Coast, but he knew the history of Jesse Hockett, and he and he knows all of the stories about Jesse Hockett, and was really appreciative of that big win, and had a lot of respect for the uh, Hockett family there at Victory Lane. It was cool to see. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Fourteen event wins this year. Fourteen. So that it was thirteen heading into last night. So that was his fourteenth win. What a season he's had! Wow. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so let's take a break. And when we come back, Ricky Lewis is going to join us right here on the show. We're going to talk to him. And then a little bit later in the show, we're going to be talking to Ryan Timms as well. That's right. And we've also got sound from the late model Knoxville nationals. I was up there for one of the nights this week. We'll talk about, we'll be all over that. Ricky Thornton Jr. Winning his 20th race of the year. Uh, and we got sound from him. And uh, the other top finishers at Knoxville. Kirk, we've we've tried to get a hold of Ricky Thornton Jr., haven't we? Well, I talked to him on Thursday night. He said he'd come on, but uh, I haven't been able to reach him here since Saturday night. Right. <laughs> but I, we have sound. Ryan Raglan has got uh, Imagine a three-minute interview with the winner, Ricky Thornton Jr., so we'll play that during the show a little bit later on. Okay, coming up next here on Mostly Motorsports, it's all brought to you by Rod and Supplies, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We will be back with Ricky Lewis next right here on Mostly Motorsports. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. 
Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing spread car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I was in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we're able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Where are they racing at this weekend, Kurt? Uh, they're back up at I-35. Up at I-35 this weekend. Nights. Yeah. Well, joining us now is a guy that picked up a, a big win. He started 11th. He ended up winning the race with the Power Eye War Sprints. Ricky Lewis joins us now on the show. How are you doing, Ricky? 
I'm good, man. Just driving along the road. Yeah. Uh, so how many hours is it home? How how far do you have to drive to get home? Uh, it's like eight, eight and a half hours back to the shop in Markle, Indiana. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a long ways, but we made we made a whole weekend out of it. We went to Valley last week too, so we made a week out of it. Hung out in Kansas City, and it's like a little vacation. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about you starting eleventh in that race the other night. Man, that was a that you yeah. had to pass a bunch of really good cars to get up there to the front, didn't you? Yeah, and I knew tire tire wear was going to be a factor just from you know, the previous days, and uh, I kind of wish I had ran on Friday so I could have seen, you know, how the tires looked on Thursday. Just I feel like I would have been a little easier on them earlier in the race. And, uh, yeah, I just knew tire wear was going to be a factor. So the first handful of laps, I kind of felt like I was trying to not run the top and not spin my tires at all, you know, even though I hadn't taken rubber, but the track was just abrasive when you were on the gas. So uh, I really did my best just to – get the tires underneath me but not lose positions but not uh you know drive to the front i was kind of shocked xavier's tire lasts as long as he did because he went right to the front i felt like i could have probably done the same thing just was uh trying to be trying to be a little cautious you know yeah how bad was your tire at the end of that race man i was surprised we had that red and i know in the driver's meeting they said you get out of your car you're uh, you're done you know as long as your feet don't touch the ground you're good so i actually popped my belt and checked my tire and saw that i still had a lot of tread left compared to the other guys so uh my tire i probably could have went another five laps or so um yeah not much more than that but uh yeah just, i just i feel like that was a really good race for me just just a smart race because typically i like to you know run 30 laps around the curb and you know, I have a blast doing that, but uh, sometimes I feel like races are won by just running a smart race. Right. Xavier gave you a little bit of battle there at the end, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no, I like racing Xavier. He's a good racer, and we always seem to run super clean, and it's always fun. Yeah, I was, uh, was just talking about uh, you made the bottom of the racetrack work really well last night, especially when you were uh, making the turn. That that seemed to give you a big advantage at the bottom. Yeah, I think just uh, just not spinning my tires, like I said. And there was a part of the racetrack, like right in the middle, that nobody was running, and I was able to like slide myself and catch that patch of moisture instead of you know beating the curb down, spinning my tires because just underneath the cushion was just black. So. That was, uh, you know, really hard on tires. And uh, and so I was able to, like, catch the moisture off the two, and I felt like I gained a lot of positions just by doing that, like sliding them, and they'd get on the brakes to cross me over, and I'd kind of park it right in the middle and, you know, drive off the two really, really nicely. So uh, I feel like that that was probably what won me the race, I'd say, because even when Xavier was sliding me, I felt like I still had some left in the tank. You know, I wasn't running. I mean, you saw how fast he, he caught me. So it was uh, – I was kind of just running it easy until I felt some pressure, you know, just like I said, trying to save my tire. I don't do that a lot. We don't do a lot of rubber racing. So, uh, yeah, just I feel like everything just worked out, got by him at the perfect time because the next corner was rubber. So, uh, yeah, everything just kind of worked out in my favor, I feel like. Hey, tell me who was the hardest car to pass coming up through the field. Can you name one driver that was the hardest to pass? Um... I felt like I couldn't really shake Chrysler. Like, I'd get him, and then, you know, somehow he'd get me on the choose cone, and I'd be racing him again. And 
So I feel like he, he just took the most times to get by Riley. And Riley's a good racer. He knows that place. I really don't know that place all that well. So I just, I don't really know where to be. I don't know where the restarts are, you know, where I should be restarting. And so I was just kind of going off of what I felt where my race car needed to be. And, uh, and obviously, Shooty's always tough to pass because he's really good wherever he wants to go. I feel like he can run the bottom, the middle. He can go to the top. He can do it all. And, and, he, and they know those racetracks, so they have the slight advantage of that. But um, obviously, Xavier was probably the best car all night. I think he might have just wore his stuff out a little too early. Had he not done that, he would have probably won the race. So Yeah, um, uh, yeah pro- probably, probably Chrysler. Uh, you know, Xavier... Doney, when he was upside down up there on the wall, I don't know if you know it, but he had his foot flat on the floor and just revved the heck out of that motor. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew it was pretty pretty bad, and I figured they'd have to go to a backup car and probably another engine. So. Yeah. yeah, they had both, uh, the wing car and the wing engine in that car. Hey, it was yeah. so cool. I think I, Go ahead. I was say, I think he stole. I think he stole his sister's ride. Uh, I think that's right. I, exactly. I think that's exactly yep. what he did. That is. Yeah. Uh, I, heard, how, I heard there was some. I heard there was some stipulations with that. Though he had to do some chores or something like that for the next couple <laughs> weeks. He had to beg and plead to get that thing away from her. Hey, how cool was that, Jack? Coming up to you in Victory Lane, and uh, you knew a little history. Uh, you were young when Jesse drove, but uh, you you know a lot of history about. Uh, Jesse Hockett back uh, when he raced out in California. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I, it was really cool to meet Jack. You know, I, I'm i really close to Steve Watt with uh, Maxwell Industries, so he's like a second dad to me, and I've known him my whole life. And so he was always, he always knew the Hockets really well, and I mean, he knows everybody in motorsports real well, I feel like. But uh, yeah, so when, when Biggie came, or sorry, when, when, uh, when Jesse came and ran Biggie's car, I obviously got to meet him. I didn't really know him too much outside of just meeting him that day because I didn't, you know, I was really young. So I was, what, right. uh, 2008, so uh, 14 years ago. <laughs> right. Well, I, th- I thought that was uh, really funny. I really know him. When Jack said, uh, yeah, you, uh, I, I'm not sure I like all these California guys coming out here and kicking our butts. And you said, well, you know, Jesse kicked our butts when he came to California, too. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he did that quite often. So he goes, well, that's different. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, listen, uh, what was your impression of Jesse Hockett when you met him when you were a kid? Um, I just know everybody li- I mean, Everybody liked him, right? Like, obviously, everybody that I was around was friends with him. So, you know, uh, I-, I heard nothing but good things. And uh, he came out and beat the fence down around Ventura for 30 laps, and that was still to this day probably one of the coolest races I'd ever seen. The curb was gone. It was slick. I mean, the guy ended up winning around the bottom, and Jesse and were up there just beating the fence down. That was the coolest thing, right? Because especially seeing, like, outside national guys come to my racetrack. Well, not my racetrack, but, you know, my home racetrack, and, uh, you know, it was, it was just super cool, and, and I still love it, man. Like, Turkey Night's a race that I feel like every year something bad happens to me or like I, I get taken out or something, but I still go there because it's my home racetrack. I put a lot of pressure on myself to win that race, but uh, it seems like something always happens, but it's always cool to see all the national guys come to a racetrack I grew up at, you know? Right. I, I don't know if you know this, but Kirk Elliott and I, we used to do an ASCS show when I traveled out on the road and Jesse Hockett was in our studio the night before his passing. 
No way. Yeah. No wow. doubt. Yeah. yeah, he was say he was a special guy, no doubt. And let's talk about your season. Fourteen wins this year. What a season you've had, man. Just talk about all the big wins that you've had aside from the one last night. Yeah, um, I feel like we've won just about every big race. It's not a, obviously USAC's a different on a different level because of their qualifying formats, and you know those guys are just so good. I feel like, um, but I mean we went quick time with them, and so I feel like that was a big confidence boost that's solidifying the rest of our year that we've had, and just you know running running good with them. Um, but yeah, like the the Hawkett obviously was probably the biggest right there with the Jack Hewitt Classic. A lot of big names have won both those. Um, they started the Rusty McClure Classic at Wayne County, was able to win that. Um, won an MSCS race with a lot of you know heavy hitters in it, guys that have won, won a lot of USAC races. So I feel like we've won every race that we've circled on the schedule this year. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I, I look back, like it's the same car I ran last year, the same everything, same team. I don't know what changed besides maybe just seat time. Um, I'm just extremely thankful, and I, you know, ask God every day what I do right to, to be where I'm at. Right. Because this is unreal. Um, yeah, super, super amazing year. Are, are you going to run any of the extreme outlaw sprint races? Are you going to run any of those races? Uh, the extreme? I, I didn't even think they still ran those. No, they run the extreme midgets. Are you uh, running? Are you going to the uh, BC thirty nine? Are you going to run the? Go ahead. The mid, the midget races. Yeah, no, I, I don't really run midgets. I'd You're like not to run midgets, midgets, but I. No, I don't run midgets, but uh, I'd like to. Just haven't really had the right opportunity to present itself. I guess. Um, I'd like to. I'd like to run Chili Bowl, and I'd really like to run Turkey Night. Those are two races that I that I would personally like to run but uh, just haven't had the opportunity yet. I'm tall and big, so, like, I feel like sprint cars are probably safer for me. <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, what what lap did it start to take rubber during that race last night? Do you remember? I, I feel like whatever lap I took the lead on, because I feel like I slid Xavier into three, and I went into one and two, ran off the cushion, and there it was. And then it was like, oh, boy, we're rubber racing now. And we still, I looked at the scoreboard. We still had, like, I think we were on lap 18, so we still had 12 laps to go. And I was nervous. I'm like, man, 12 laps. And, I mean, my heat race my, or qualifier, whatever you want to call it, I it rubbered up, man. And I ran 10 or 12 laps, whatever that was, and I probably didn't have another two laps left on my tires. So I, uh, I was really nervous. But they did a really good job. I feel like feature time, it, it was tough for them with the sun and the wind and all that to, uh, oh, no. you know, that many cars. It, 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 a good racetrack earlier in the day, but. It's a day but, race. It, that, that that was the key to it. Yeah. It was a day race, right? Yeah. 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 They did a good job for the features. Really good job for the features. Yeah, I was it, impressed. It was really the best the whole week yesterday, no doubt about it, after all that rain. So what lies ahead? What are, What's the schedule look like for uh, Ricky Lewis coming ahead? Well, actually, probably taking this weekend off because we're, we're out of engines. We, we ran 56 races with two engines. So oh, wow. they're, both, they're both needing to be refreshed. And I really want to go to California for, like, Western World and whatever Oval Nationals is this year. And so whatever, uh, you know, 360, 410 stuff I can race. So I'd rather take a weekend off and just kind of let let Dave, you know, rebuild some engines so I can uh, have some engines to run. But uh, 
in California. But I'm running the last two Bosch races out here, which is uh, September 30th at Montpelier, and then I'll fly back and run October 28th. So where, uh, just trying to trying to get my ducks in a row now to go to California. Where where would this race and all of your wins? Where does this race stack up as one of your favorite to favorite races to win? Uh, probably, probably number one. I mean, between that, the MSCS race is cool just because there's a lot of really heavy hitters there at Paragon, you know? Yep. And, uh, so that race is cool. The Hawk is probably number one, I'd say right there with the Hewitt, just cause you know, they're both the, the Hewitt. I, I felt like I had to work a little harder for it just cause the racetrack was so physically demanding. But, uh, this one was, it was smooth and slick and that's what I like with a cushion and, you know, you kind of move around. So this one was probably the coolest. Just the atmosphere, the racetrack. It feels like you're, you know, driving into Bristol when you roll into that place. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All, all the eyes on it is pretty cool, I guess. So that's probably number one. Well, I got to tell you, from where you started, the 11th, that is one of the biggest charges to a big victory we've seen all year. Congratulations. That was a heck of a performance you put on last night. I appreciate it, and I got a lot of, you know, a lot of help. I do all the work as far as the racetrack and people helping me, you know, get up and down the road. They, I have a lot of people that uh, are behind me, so I can't take all the credit. Um, but, yeah, I definitely, definitely have a lot of people behind me, and I, I, I wish I uh, I wish I had this. I got a new suit at the beginning of the year with all my new sponsors, and it was dirty, so I didn't wear it. I wish I would have. I was with the old... <laughs> dingy dingy suit from like two years ago i need i need one of those racing boys shoots that uh that han's got oh yeah oh, yeah yeah well you know what that's what we do we buy fire suits that's what we do well well ricky lewis has one nice fire suit at the moment so <laughs> yeah yeah no doubt well, hey, listen, uh, there there could be a chance that you might be in our future with a, a racing boys fire suit nice there we go that was a that was a that was a sly way of doing it huh yeah no doubt well you got him hey. on tape now so. <laughs> hey, hey, i'll just put you on the spot i'll just put you on the spot yeah no doubt about it hey listen man we can't thank you enough for being on the show today um what a great performance starting 11th ended up winning that race that was a a fantastic performance and you did such a great job man and we're we're really proud of anybody that can come from 11th and work their way up to the lead that that was a great performance but yeah i'd love to i'd love to come back to this place more i just wish it wasn't so far away i have fun racing with these missouri guys you know but uh yeah i gotta give a shout out to dave stinsland with my my engines and i mean we don't you know we don't have a name engine builder he's he does it in his garage and you know he's a he's a back doctor so he he does it after hours, you know, he works till four, five, six o'clock. Comes home and tinkers, and uh, he's done a great job. And I, I wouldn't want anybody else touching my engines other than him. So, and he's like family now. So, like, yep. that's what's cool, man. Like, everybody talks about, you know, getting a big ride and do. I, I don't want to go anywhere. Like, these guys want to grow with me. So, and I feel like doing it as a family is, is super special for me and uh, you know my team. And I feel like guys like morris farms they help me out a lot and uh my buddy my buddy jim with stormwater management yeah i got i got a lot of people that 
enjoy the family aspect of it. You know, none of us are blood, but we're all racing family, and, and we'll probably be together for a long time. I'd hope so. Hey, what did you think about Lucas Oil Speedway? What do you, what did you think of that facility? Crazy, crazy. It's like rolling into a NASCAR track. I mean, yeah. between the flags, the signs, the the paved the paved you know driveway all the way up to it. The stands are huge. The concession, you know, the bar up there. It's it's. I mean, I don't even know what to compare it to besides going to a NASCAR track, right? Like we yep. used to camp in the infield at Fontana, and it was pretty much the same same thing you know it's got a lake back there you can go fishing you know before the races i think it's it's awesome i you know i've never saw anybody catch a fish out there on that lake just so you know Brother, i didn't I know there were fish in it i have you've caught a fish out there i have i caught four of them last year i didn't get a chance to go uh-uh. fishing this year but last year right before hot live they're all i think they're bluegill i'm not sure i'm an ocean fisherman man like right i, I ran I ran sport fishing boats for a few years before I came back to Indian race. But, uh, yeah, I've done ocean fishing my whole life. I could take you ocean fishing, but I can't even tell you the difference between a large mouth and a small mouth when you come to freshwater. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a lake that's literally 10 minutes from where you were running this weekend called Palm de Terra Lake. My dad had a place on there, and it's a monster little freshwater lake. And let me tell you, next time you're back down there, ask one of the locals down there to – to point you the direction and just go drive around there man it's a really awesome lake and uh i'm sure you could get you a day pass and go fishing I, heck i bet you one of those fishermen's got a boat you can go down or one of those race car drivers got a boat. Uh, hey what's your what's your favorite fish uh, my my favorite fish out of the ocean is grouper it, grouper is about my grouper. favorite fish uh i'd have to say halibut we've been we went and whacked up on some halibut earlier this year and I still have a freezer full of halibut. So my, uh, <laughs> halibut's probably my favorite. Rockfish second, and then like white sea bass probably somewhere around there. Well, the, but, the uh, white, yeah. So yeah, we do a little bit of everything. I'm a salmon guy myself. You're a I, salmon guy. Yeah, I don't, l- l- let me tell you something. The Hockets, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Hockets had a fish fry on on Saturday up there, it, it, and they cooked so much fish. They had a cooler foot full of fillets crappie, all probably. the way to the top. Probably crappie and catfish. And, and they cooked every fillet that was in that cooler. And I'm telling and you, man. And you guys are telling me, you guys are telling me about this on Monday. <laughs> you yeah. Didn't know about yeah. This? You didn't know. Hey, let me let me say one thing. With you winning this, I'm sure you'll get the invite next year. Yeah. To come to the fish. Well, fry. they ought to they ought to send him some fry. fish. I was gonna say they probably won't invite me to anything. No, <laughs> no doubt about it. Hockett, Hockett, Jack, Jack Hockett goes. You can go back to California now. <laughs> well, no, they they were proud. They they were impressed. That uh, Jack was impressed with what you did the other night, last night. No doubt about it. I had I had a good time. Everybody there is super nice. I got to actually hang out with them a lot because I got a three sixty from them too. So I. Uh, I gave Jack all his money back. Don't, don't you worry. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Hey, Ricky, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the show today, man. We can't thank you enough for doing so. Yeah, I appreciate you guys and uh, look forward to coming back one day. Yeah, congratulations, Ricky. Yep, no doubt. Thank you. Good job, bud. Appreciate bud. it, guys. All right, thank you. There you have it. Ricky Lewis joins us here he was the winner of the power eye war sprints that was an entertaining race that to watch was, that was it really was it was 
Maybe more entertaining than watching Ryan Timms win. Yeah, because Ryan Timms just, uh, shall we say, stunk up the show? He did. A little? He kind of (laughs) stunk it up a little bit. Right. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, what are we going to, we going to play some sound, Kirk? Uh, Do we have Ryan Timms coming up? 115, Kirk. 115. Okay. Yeah, we'll play some sound from Knoxville. We've got Ricky Thornton, Jr., and we've got Mike Marler and Hudson O'Neill, the top three finishers. We get sound from those guys that and, we can and, play. And a little bit later in the show, Scotty Cook is going to join us and Chase Rodman as well. There you go. So stay tuned for more of Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. They'll be racing up at I-35 this weekend. So go up there and check them out. We'll be back with more in a moment. Stay tuned. to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that to build your business to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. 
When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together uh, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in an on-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. In the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do. Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports right here on RBN, the Racing Boys Broadcasting Network. I'm Scott. He's Kirk. We're the Racing Boys. Todd Surprise running the show today for us. Kirk, you were up at Knoxville this weekend, and Ricky Thornton Jr. sweeps the weekend. Yeah, all three nights, and now he has 20 late model victories this year. And the leader of the pack, uh, the Lucas Oil Late Model Series, and they're heading to Brownstown this weekend, but Knoxville was his playground this weekend, no doubt about it. Uh, he got up in front, and uh, there was nobody going to catch him on Saturday night. 75-lap race. He started on the pole and led. He was battling it out. Mike. He and Mikey Marler had a pretty good battle going there for a while, and Marler even got the lead there for a brief moment. Mike Marler is a three-time winner of that race, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mike Marler really ran well. He ended up second. But once uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. got back out in front, uh, he and that uh, Todd and Vicky Burns number 20RT car was not to be catched. And uh, Ricky Thornton Jr. Uh, heading on to another victory. And he's won a ton of Crown Jewel events this year. And Ryan Raglan was there covering it for the racing boys left there, and he spoke with the race winner, Ricky Thornton Jr., after the checkered flag. Ricky Thornton Jr. takes a sweep at Knoxville, and how how do you put this whole weekend and this whole year so far in perspective? It, a dream, honestly. It, uh, it's been pretty wild. Uh, I mean, no, only one other guy has been able to sweep the weekend like this, and it was, it was Billy Moyer, so it wasn't like it. It was, it was a nobody, so... Thank you guys. It, pretty awesome. Uh, first night we were really good. Last night we were, I felt like a little better. And, uh, tonight I, I didn't know if we had the, the best car, honestly. I uh, felt like we had a, a top three car. I just didn't know if it was a winning car. And just kept working my butt off as hard as I could. And I, uh, I don't know, just got up on the wheel about halfway and just, just made it happen. You said last night that you guys tried a little bit of something. You weren't sure if you were going to keep it. 
did you keep yep. it a little bit? Uh, so we actually kind of went in between. We, we learned a couple of things last night. We learned a couple of things the first night. We did it tonight. And, and I felt like we, we improved, but the track was actually way slower tonight than, than it had been. So I, uh, I was worried I was going to get too loose there at the end, but there's a small curb kind of developer on the top, and that kind of kind of helped me. But uh, I don't know, just a wild night uh, up and down. We, we hot lapped, and I felt pretty good, and we changed a few things after that. And uh, I don't know, just me and Mikey had a really good battle at the beginning of the race. And like I could, I could run hard and get back to him and get by him, and then he'd get back by me, and then I felt like we swapped the lead probably 10 times. And uh, I don't know, just this car's been awesome this year. Uh, looking forward to the rest of the year. I was in turn one early, and you're driving the, the low line. You're letting off a good 20 yards before anybody else was. Not that they were overdriving it, but it was like you could just relax the car and just let it do what it needed to. Yeah, and it was a little bit of that, and I was kind of trying to save the right front, too, just because I knew if we did get around the top, we were going to have to really abuse it. And I, uh, I just kind of coast in, kind of get to the center, pick up the throttle, drive off, and, and it worked really good, but then like once I got the traffic, you couldn't really run that easy. So it uh, had, to, had to change it up a little bit of that, and the bottom started to slow down a little bit. But uh, I don't know, overall, I mean, I, I was able to pass cars through the middle, through on the top, around the bottom, so just... Overall, the car was really maneuverable, and I had really good traction. Having the most wins in Lucas Oil late model history in a season, it just keeps continuing. I mean, <laughs> when you think about it, it's, it's and you know, and I, and I made the comment one time, Davenport had his year, Owens and, and uh, Shepard had their year, Davenport had another one. This is your year and, and uh, Bobby Pierce's year. It, it's been a heck of a year, that's for sure. Like you said, uh, to, to beat Scott's record of, of six, 16 in a season, and now we're at 20. So, I mean, it's it's pretty unbelievable, honestly. It uh, shows how hard my guys work. And, uh, I mean, like, we'll, after tonight, we'll head home. It's seven hours home. By the time, by 4 o'clock tomorrow, they'll be washed, ready to be maintenance. So we uh, they bust their butts to make sure we got the best car, and I feel like we got the best team out here. So it, uh, luckily, the, the results have been showing it. And all the fans that come up race it, after it, race. It, it, it's awesome. Uh, I feel like I didn't have a ton of fans uh, here a couple years ago. Now it's pretty cool. It, uh, the roar tonight was, was pretty loud. It, that, that was pretty special. So it, uh, it's nice to be able to come back to, to Iowa. I'm, I'm not from here, but I felt like it's kind of where I, where I really got my start. So right. it, uh, it's, it's been awesome. Well, like they say, enjoy the race, son. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. The mic's not. Ricky Thornton Jr. originally from Arizona, but he spent some time in Adel, Iowa. He lived there for a while. He's won the Super Nationals up at Boone. He did win a race at Knoxville and a modified in the Harris Clash in 2018. So that wasn't his first win on Thursday night up there. But, uh, yeah, he spent quite a bit of time up in Iowa, so a big win for him. And Mike Marler ended up running second in that race. And he, he talked about the battle that he had with Mike Marler. Mike Marler is a three-time winner of that race, and he he knows his way around that racetrack really well. And you've got some sound from yeah, Mike Marler. Yeah, he had a great weekend. If not for Ricky Thornton Jr., Mike Marler might have his fourth uh, Knoxville Nationals win. Here is uh, Ryan's interview with the runner-up finisher, Mike Marler. Mike Marler coming in second and... and I made the comment earlier this morning that Mike Marler is just always solid, always there. You had the streak of about 20, 20 races in the top five. 
this was one of those times where you, you might have thought you had some for Ricky to kind of take that broom off his hand, but man, he is just so tough. And you know, on the start, looked like he might have had something, but just wasn't quite there. Yeah, no, he was just a little faster, man. Uh, congrats to Ricky. He, you know, the fastest car at the end of the night won the race. Uh, I got by him twice there, and. and Caught him in traffic twice, and he got me back in traffic. And but in open track, he was faster. You know, really, the only race to it was when we was in traffic. Hoover was bottled up, you know, which Knoxville makes great racing for that reason. So, uh, so yeah, it, it was fun, man. Congratulations, Ricky. Though we'll, we'll try again next year, and uh, we was close. So I'm happy about that. When you got out of your car just a little bit ago and running up here, the first thing you said, you turned around to your crew and said, thanks, guys. I don't think people really realize how dependent you guys are on the crew. Uh, you know, uh, I've heard, I've said this a million times, but it, it takes a village to run one of these teams, you know, and uh, uh, lots of great team, lots of great people on my team with Josh and Jerry and, and uh, Cody and my wife, Stacey, my team owner, Ronnie Delk, and all these sponsors we got. Um, you know, you just, uh, people's what it's about. Well, thanks a lot and a great run tonight. Thank you. There you have it. That's Mike Marler. And um, we also have the third-place finisher, Hudson O'Neill, from Martinsville, Indiana. And you've got a little sound from him as well, Kirk, right? Yeah, we sure do. Of course, he was coming off that World 100 win. We had him on the show here a week ago and a pretty solid finish for the New Deal, Hudson O'Neill in the Rocket Chassis. Hudson O'Neill coming in third place, and when you have a good car starting in 10th place and you take advantage of the cautions, that just comes up for a good podium finish. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great team effort, I thought. Uh, I felt like all my guys worked really hard and, and gave me the best, the best car they could give me, and uh, I feel like uh, knowing what we know now and what we've learned all weekend, I think we could go back and, and make some changes and be a little bit better, but uh, I really think we made a lot of a lot of headway. Um, we struggled kind of all weekend. Uh, you know, we we're just average all weekend. You know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and uh, I don't know. It uh, it was a trying week. Um, it, it, we had to grind for it. That's for sure. Uh, you know. There was a lot of work that went into this podium this weekend, and uh, that's what I'm most proud of. Kind of when you're doing stuff like that, it kind of makes the third place a little bit sweeter. Yeah, it does. That's why I'm sitting down here, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm pretty happy. You got a smile on your face, yeah, too. Yeah, so, because uh, there's no shame in, uh, you know, in, in a third place whenever you've had to work as hard as we've had to work all week. Um, so, uh, I appreciate all my guys, appreciate all the fans, and uh, we'll see if uh, we can't uh, go to Brownstown and get one. and build a little bit of a notebook and maybe come back here and be a little more competitive. All right, thanks a lot. Congratulations tonight. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the other contender, I thought, as, until he hit the wall on Thursday night, Jonathan Davenport, came from 18th of 4th uh, on Saturday night. But one of the fastest cars was Kyle Bronson. But he smacked the wall. He was chasing down the leader, Ricky Thornton, when he got up into the loose stuff and smacked the wall down right. there and turned number three and tore the hell out of his 40B car. All right. When we come back, we're going to have Ryan Timms on us. He picked up the win last night with the ASCS National Sprint Car Tour, a main feature last night. And he's going to join us next right here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. We'll be back with more in a moment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. 
Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, and make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and Radius Rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I'm in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com. Serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back to Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod End Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. They'll be racing up at I-35 this weekend, so get up there and check them out. Joining us now on the show is the winner of the Jesse Hockett Daniel McMillan Memorial with the ASCS National Sprint Car Tour. Ryan Timms joins us now. Hey, Ryan, how you doing, bud? I'm good. How are you? Uh, um, uh, so did you did you go pretty hard last night? No, I just there wasn't much going on after the races, and I decided to sleep in today. So yeah, so talk talk about that race. You led every lap of that race. It was a pretty dominating performance, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, started on the pole and. Um, me and Booback kind of battled for two or three laps there, and then um, being out in the lead, it was kind of hard to tell where to be at and where where it was faster at the time because I was looking for rubber the whole time, and I really wasn't expecting the bottom to be that fast. And McClellan, he was really good on the bottom. Uh, Jason Martin, he was good on the bottom. So, uh Billy and Jimmy were giving me the hand signals, and I was just going where they were telling me to, and ended up working out. Hey, uh, at, at one point, Sean McClellan, he he was up next to you, and he was getting ready to pass you for the lead, and the yellow come out. That that was a big mm-hmm. break for you right then, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I I think I'm pretty sure I might have fell off the track a little bit, and. Yeah, he got underneath me, and then the yellow came out. Uh, had the yellow not came out, I think I could have got back by him, but, yeah, it, it helped me out quite a bit. Hey, Ryan, congratulations on the big victory. Uh, but you had a little bit of change of plans. At first, you weren't scheduled to come to Lucas Oil Speedway. What, uh, what was the big uh, factor that went in of you deciding to run this race? Yeah, um, we were going to go to Fremont, run some some 410 stuff uh, up there. And on uh, Tuesday, uh, the week of the Hockett, Billy texted all of us saying he heard bad reviews of chewing up tires up there. And then so we decided we'd run the 360 at the Hockett. We didn't, I, none of us thought it was going to as rubbered up as it was uh, on the prelims or Saturday, but um, the Hockett was a race I've I've wanted to win since I've started running 360s, so I was glad I was able to get another shot at it, and uh, I wasn't... I knew, you know, I don't know how many 
next year I might be doing some outlaw stuff. I don't know what I'm doing next year, honestly. So right. I might not be able to run it next year. Right. So I, was, yeah. I was glad that we ended up coming. Hey, on the night that you won the your prelim, man, that rubber was wide, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, it started off one lane around the top left rear rubber, kind of up against the curb, and then your left rear would be in the rubber. And then it just slowly kept moving down and eventually got I mean, plumbed through the middle all the way up to the curb. Hey, uh, Ryan, uh, let's kind of talk about your whole season. You're a full-time midget driver driving for Keith Coons Motorsports this year. Have you liked that experience, and uh, are you – you, would you rather run some more wing sprint car races this year? How do, how do you look at 2023 and uh, what you've been doing this year? Yeah, uh, so Keith and Pete, you know, offered me to run the full U-side schedule this year. And um, it's not really something you can turn down. Uh, I, I like mid-racing a lot. And I also, I mean, I also like sprint car racing. It's it was around, it, it is around 30 shows in the midget. Um, so I don't get to run the sprint car as often as I'd like to. Um, but I'm having a lot of fun in the midget deal. And I think, you know, if I could get a USAC championship, that it, I mean, it, it'd look good on the resume. And it's just something to say. Right. You know, it's, it's cool to say you have a USAC championship. What What is your preference? Would you rather drive with the World of Outlaws in a wing sprint car or maybe the All-Stars, or, or would you rather run a midget full-time? Um, I would say I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but right. I, I, like, I like the sprint car a lot more than the midget. Well, I like it more than the midget for sure. Um, it's just what I've, it's what I started it in and, um, it feels more natural to me than the midget does. Uh, I'm not a big series guy or points racer. I like being able to pick and choose and, and just run whatever race we can that weekend. Um, but when, when you get the opportunity to just go run a midget, you're not going to say no. So. Right, yeah. Especially or, with Keith Coons. Keith Coons, yeah. Yeah, no hey, doubt. Hey, the next two weekends are pretty big in the midget. you got the Four Crown Nationals on Saturday night at Eldora. Then the next week, the BC 39 at Indianapolis. How how big would it be to win either of those two events? Yeah, the, either one would be awesome to win. I, I really do want to win at Eldora. I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy to win there. Uh, I think... I haven't ran a midget at Eldora yet, um, but in my mind, it, it'd be the same. It'd kind of be like running a wing sprint car. It's a big half mile. You keep it straight. Um, and then the BC39, that's a huge race also. Uh, that's a race you want to win. Um, so, yeah, to win either one of those would be awesome. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um just talk about driving for Keith Coons and and what what does that mean when somebody like Keith Coons wants you to drive for them? Um, yes, it's pretty. Um, it just kind of surprises me, really, because 
Um, when, when I was starting racing, I was always a big, when I was a lot younger, uh, running micros, I was a big midget fan, and I always watched uh, all the USAC races, and I would see all the all the big names, like CV running for KKM, and uh, so it's cool to be able now to be able uh, to get offered something like that, but um, it it's also kind of there's some big shoes to fill fill there so yeah um i'm i do the best i can for them and i appreciate everything all that all they do for me and um i feel like it's a we got a pretty good thing going now over there and um we're starting to get to where we can compete for a win pretty much every night Talk about uh, Jimmy Jones, Billy Lawhead. These guys uh, that really been pretty special to you in your career so far, haven't they? Yeah, Billy. He's been with me since I was since I first started racing. So since I was nine, eight years old, uh, he he did all the micro stuff with me. Um, he took me everywhere across the country running micros and now we're here running the sprint car across the country and we picked up jimmy um about three or four years ago when we first started the sprint car deal um and he's been with us ever since also and he's they're both really really loyal guys and uh they do a ton for me and uh, I'm I'm really thankful for them. It it worked. Out. I definitely wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without them. Uh, it kind of all worked out pretty perfect in both those scenarios where they were both able to come on. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really thankful for both of them. Hey, when when it comes to Jimmy Jones, and I traveled with him for a lot of years up and down the national tour. Um, he, he tells a lot of uh, great stories. Has he told you any Kinzer stories? I've I've heard quite a few Kinzer stories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt about it. Um, uh, listen, w- when it comes to Jimmy, is what does he give you the most? Does he give you advice when you're out on the racetrack? It, what is the one thing that Jimmy Jones gives you more than anybody else? Yeah, he's, uh, it's weird because he's never really raced and he's, I mean, he's, he's hot lapped the car a couple times, but he's never really raced before, but somehow, some way, he knows exactly how to drive a sprint car because he does give me a lot of advice on what to do and, uh, how to drive the car and how, what I need to be feeling and, uh, he's been right. 90% 90% of the time, um, and then he's just, I'd say he's in the top three of best sprint car crew chiefs, in my opinion. He, I'll, I'll come in, I'll tell him what the car's doing, and he'll most of the time get it get it fixed first try. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's good for, he's good for giving me advice, and he's always, He's he's an he's an upbeat guy, so he's always keeping the the, the attitude team pretty positive and 
uh, he makes it being on the road all the time a lot easier. Yeah, no doubt Jimmy Jones is a, a positive person. And, and I know that from my years of traveling with him up and down the road. So, Kirk, you want to add one more question there? No, I'm just saying how special is it to have Jack Hockett walk up there and say, uh, congratulations, uh, you're a great race car driver. That's pretty cool. That This has got to be number one so far in your career to win this race, does it not? Yeah, it's a it's a it is a big deal. Um, I'd say it's probably the most meaningful race I've I've won for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I obviously when Jesse was around, I wasn't racing. I was really young, and uh, so I didn't get to see much of it. But uh, I've heard all the stories and everything about that whole Hawkett family. So be able to win that and then have jack come up and talk to me is really cool and uh i was i was there i ran the hockey two years ago um and it was like my third or fourth race in the 360 and um he was he knows jimmy real well and he was talking to me and kind of just give me a little bit of advice and you know was telling me i was doing a good job so it was cool two years later to be able to put it in victory lane both nights and talk to him down there. I, uh, I, I said this to uh, Ricky Lewis a little bit earlier in the show. Um, I don't know if you know it, but Jesse Hockett was in our studio the night before his passing. He was in the studio with us doing a show with us. Wow. Yeah, no doubt. That's, that's, that's but that, uh, let, let me tell you something. When Kirk and I got the news about Jesse Hockett passing, we bawled like babies, didn't we, Kirk? Yeah, it was a very it, sad it, time. it was the most most horrific news that we could ever get at but that you time. Know, you know, the great news is with this event, he's bigger now than ever. No, his legacy is bigger yeah, than ever. No doubt. Right, no, no doubt about it. And you're a part of it, my friend. Great job. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's, it's pretty cool to be able to have your name up there on the list of winners for the Jesse Ogden Memorial Race. Yep, no doubt about it. Okay, thanks, Ryan. We appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show. We can't thank you enough for doing so. I know it was a, 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 a late night last night, and um, um, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show with us today. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me on. Good yep. luck this weekend at Eldora. Thank you. All right, there you have it. That's Ryan Timms joining us here on the show. And uh, do we want to take a break right now, Todd? Let's do that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get Scotty Cook on with us, right? Can we do Chase Rodman first? Yeah, we can just, let's do Chase right You want to do Chase yeah. first? Let's do him. Hold on, your mic's not on. Yeah, we can do we can do whatever. Scotty, we, we need we, to get an update from the World of yeah. Outlaws this last weekend at California, and, and Chase we, will give us. And then we'll close out with yeah, we we'll uh, close out with Scotty Cook. Scotty. All right, let's do that. We'll be back with more of mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supplies, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. They'll be racing up at I thirty five this weekend. Get up there and check them out. It's a great organization, and it's all led by Bob Douglas, and he is. A fantastic guy, and we can't thank him enough. He was the first person to ever sponsor Racing Boys, wasn't he, Kirk? Yes, sir. Great friend, Bob Douglas. Yep, we no appreciate everything they do, and Rod in Supply is the best. Yep, no doubt about it. We'll be back with more 
Mostly Motorsports. Stay tuned. You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with the Racing Boys. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Here at Specialty Sportswear, in-house, we do all of the screen printing, all the embroidery. We do some vinyl. The other add specialty items like your pens, magnets, notepads, calendars. You can actually buy that, build your business, to make it larger. We have the largest screen printing process and the largest embroidery anywhere around in the area. We can do stuff all the way from your school clubs to sports teams, a professional look in the office. If you can imagine it, we can do it for you. Rod and Supply is involved with a variety of motorsports as well as industrial applications with many different types of products. Since 1989, Rod and Supply has provided superior products priced competitively. Whether you're racing at the circle track or drag strip, rock climbing, or going off-road, Rod and Supply is an assortment of Rod and's radius rods and specialty products to keep your equipment moving. Rod and Supply's experienced staff is ready and willing to help you with your needs. Their promise is to continue to provide a superior product with superior service so you can stay in front of the field no matter what it is. To learn more, go to rodandsupply.com. Race fans, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open seven days a week, year-round, for you to come in and check out all of the wonderful race cars on display in the museum. And our online store at SprintCarStuff.com is open 24 hours a day for you to check out everything that we have in stock for Sprint Car fans. Whether it's for a birthday, anniversary, or Christmas, SprintCarStuff.com has it all. That's at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum in Knoxville. When Steve died, the outpouring of love was amazing. These dollars had come together um, to support us, and we realized, no, we didn't want to use them for us. We wanted to use them to help others. The foundation has done so much for so many people. It helps any, any family that has somebody, rather be a crew member or one of the drivers that get hurt, we can help them to get through the situation. I was injured in a non-wing sprint car accident that broke my neck and left me with a spinal cord injury. I'm in the hospital eight months and that got really, really expensive. So having that extra help to help push me and my family forward was a big deal. Yes, Steve's death is the reason the foundation exists, but it's Steve's life and it's the lives of racers everywhere is the reason we are able to do the work we do.
Go harder, faster, stronger with Rod and Supply. Whether you are running industrial, farming equipment, or a race car, Rod and Supply has the assortment of rod ends, radius rods, and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance. Our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better, giving you the edge on the track and saving you money. Contact Rod and Supply or order online today at rodandsupply.com. We don't just sell them, we race them. Rodandsupply.com, serving the racing community for over 30 years. Welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. It's all brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. They'll be racing up at I-35 this weekend. Get up there and check them out. Joining us now on the show is Chase Rodman. Chase, how you doing, bud? Hey, guys. We're doing good. Uh, how are you doing today? Uh, uh, we're, we're doing fantastic. We we, we spent the weekend, I, I spent the weekend down at the Jesse Hockett Daniel McMillan Memorial, which was a great race. Ryan Timms picked up the victory down there. And uh, um, it, it, it it's just not, you know, it's it, it, the thing about with the world of outlaws is that they, they raced at Hanford on Friday night. And Brad Sweet picked up the win. What about that race? Yeah, it was, uh, I think I mentioned on the broadcast, so midway through the race, it was just a high-speed chess match, really. I mean, he had to be on the bottom in turns one and two to be able to make up any speed or to, to really just even stay in the fight, you know. And then three and four, it was, you know, you could go just about anywhere, but it seemed like the top was a little bit better in three and four throughout the whole race, but Brad's car wasn't really working that well up there. And I think it was one of those situations where the dominant car didn't end up actually winning. I feel like there was maybe two cars that were better than Brad throughout the whole race, but he just goes to show why he's a, you know, almost five-time champion with the Outlaws. You know, he was able to still, you know, against the odds, I would say, able to hang on and win the race. Um, so it was exciting though. You know, Corey Day was all over and made a move to the inside, maybe a little bit early. Um, kind of took himself out, but made for a pretty entertaining race. And it was cool for me because I had three buddies that were there. They'd never been to a sprint car race before. So the whole night I was kind of, you know, they were in the infield with me. So I was just kind of like, Hey, you know, watch for this. Hey, this guy, this is how many transfer this and that. And, uh, they were, they were following along with the race and we were right there, like standing in turn three when Corey got into Brad and they were all going crazy. They thought it was an awesome race. So it was cool to maybe make a couple new fans for sprint car racing this weekend. You know, if you're going to choose from the bottom or the top, I always take the top over the, the bottom because you can at least do some slide jobs in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. You know, if the, if the track's one lane, um, I would always choose the top because, you, yeah, like you say, you can at least throw some sliders on the – if it's a locked around around the bottom, you kind of got to hope the guy in front of you, you know, misses the bottom, which was the case a couple of times. You know, Brad even slipped up off the bottom a few times and allowed Corey to get by, allowed Cole Nacito to get by. Um, and, you know, gravel kind of got going there at the end, so did Dominic Selzy, but uh, Brad still bit to hang on. But then kind of towards the end almost, you know, Rico got going and – it, and he got going like in the middle on the top kind of in one, two, and it started to clean off a little bit, but it just wasn't, wasn't quite enough, but it was definitely interesting to watch those guys try and tiptoe through that corner, whether they were on the bottom or whether they were trying to somehow make it work in the middle. Uh, it was pretty entertaining 
it takes a lot of throttle control to go around that place when it when it gets as slick as it did on uh on Friday night. So uh, entertaining stuff uh, the whole weekend. Yeah, yeah, Chase. I thought Corey Day really had a fast race car, and I thought he was gonna. He had a fast enough car to get around Brad Sweet. Uh, just uh, got a little impatient there, making that move he did down at the bottom to get into Brad. Yeah, I think he did. You know, I, he had to have known the laps were running out. I think at that place you can kind of see the board and see how many laps are left. So he had to have known there there wasn't much time, you know, to make a move. So. Um, he got in there. I think he did see a little bit of daylight there. He ripped the top pretty good in one or in three and four and got a big run on him. Uh, actually, no, he ran the bottom that corner, I think, actually, and then yeah. he caught up to him um, and went down in there and I guess just saw maybe a little bit of an opening and it just wasn't quite enough. And, I mean, really, that was a huge, huge moment for Brad, really. If he would have gotten taken out in that deal, you know, David would have been in the lead and it could have been a huge points night for him if Brad would have got caught up or – had a flat left rear or something there. So a uh, scary moment potentially for Brad, but he was able to hold the car together and, and hang on to win. So um, like I said, the, the whole race, I mean, really the whole night, it was, it was pretty entertaining stuff, which was a great, it was a great night for that to happen uh, with, you know, a couple, like I mentioned, a couple of my friends there never seeing anything like that before. They were kind of mostly just NASCAR fans. So they'd never seen anything up close and personal, like a sprint car race before. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, so, if you're not a sprint car fan after watching that, then you'll never will be. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, so Corey Day, he started fifth. He ended up running 17th. What was the problem with his car? Yeah, well, uh, on uh, on Friday, you're saying, or on, on Saturday? Uh, on Friday. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he was just, he was obviously fast, but then he got into Brad and spun out down there in turn one. That was what happened to him. Um, oh, I got he, you. Yeah, he climbed over the left rear going into turn one with, like, three laps to go, and then somehow it didn't flip. I mean, he had all four tires were off the ground, uh, but he just spun out over the banking in turn one and stopped, so that's why he finished 17th. Yeah. But I think he was definitely the fastest car in the, in the entire main. He just couldn't make it happen. All right, let's talk about Saturday night at Placerville. Dennis Roth had to be the most nervous guy watching that race, huh? Yeah, him and uh, or, uh, Buddy and, and James were – they were like going at it for like the first 20 laps or so the whole time. And even when they weren't battling, I feel like he could have been, you know, being a little nervous. The track was just so, uh, was so treacherous, you know? I mean, if you barely, if you, if you didn't run the the top, right, I mean, you could have hit the wall. We saw Rico smack the wall by himself. He could have biked up. We saw a couple of guys do that, go off the racetrack, um, all kinds of stuff, man. And before that feature even started, you know, the, me and Johnny were doing our little talk back right before the feature starts. And I was sitting down on the cushion with like 90 degree angle on my legs, you know, like, I mean, the cushion was huge before the race even started. And when it gets like that, um, that's when Placerville is at its, you know, at its peak, uh, the bottom, you had to really slow down to hit it, but the top, if you could hit it right was, was pretty fast, but it was pretty tough to hit it the right way. So, um, there was a moment in that race where maybe for like three or four laps, Buddy and James swapped the lead like two times a lap because they just couldn't really figure out where to go in traffic and stuff. So that race, I mean, I think Placerville is just very underrated. Um, it was great to finally get back there. The Outlaws, it had been four years since they have been there with, you know, that place being turned into a fire camp during the wildfire season, and finally we were able to race there again. So um, it, was, uh, it was great to be back there. The fans, obviously, they came out, and there was a million people there, and it turned out to be a really good race. And, 
cool to see Buddy finally get his first ever outlaw win, you know, first official outlaw win in his uh, home state of California, the place where he really, you know, when he was 12 years old or so was when he first really started getting going was at Placerville. So it was pretty cool to see that. Um, it, it looked like to me that McFadden put a pretty good slide job on Rico at one point during that race. And, and I think they might've touched bumpers a little bit. Yeah, well, they definitely did. Uh, and uh, he wasn't the only one, uh, Carson Macedo, he had that same thing happen, uh, in the dash. And, uh, there was a couple of guys throughout that race where, uh, they made contact on a slider and it, most of the time it happened down in three and four. It was one of those situations where the top was fast and you hit it right. So when you try to throw a slider, it was so slick. Like you couldn't, the guys couldn't get enough speed built up on the backstretch and then like keep that speed through the corner to clear the slider. It was almost like you had to hope the guy on the top made a mistake to get that slider to clear and a lot of the times it didn't happen. And that was kind of a couple moments where we saw with Buddy and James where, you know, Buddy threw a slider and James, you know, made that decision to drive back around and they nearly got together a couple of times. But, um, I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of the beast with Placerville, man. It, yeah. It's uh, under, I think it's one of the most underrated tracks in the country. And luckily, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were watching on Saturday and they maybe got their first ever taste of that place. And they're, uh, hopefully we can, you know, go back there a few times. Uh, I don't know about a few times, but hopefully again next year. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a six-day show there. To be honest with you guys, that was pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, but w- when a car gets up against that big giant curb, and um, when they hit the right rear, it kind of throws the the front end to the to the top of the racetrack. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, kind of. To me, it looked like it just depended on how much, like when you hit it, like what your angle of the car was, right? I mean, if you're, if the car was angled a decent amount, then it would kind of throw the front end over. But it was, if it wasn't as angled, it would almost pick up the left side tires off the ground, and you know, you get on the on the bike or whatever. So, um, I think most guys by the end they they figured it was just safer to, you know, run maybe a, a couple of inches off of it, maybe or a foot off of it, and not even have to touch it anymore because it was just so uh, finicky. I guess you'd probably on on entry you'd want to be on it, but then on the exit you'd try and get off it a little bit so you wouldn't. Uh, you know, make that mistake of getting in the wall. There, I'm not kidding. There was one time Rico hit it off a of four, and his entire car jumped up off the ground. And I don't know how it didn't break or anything, but he kept going. Uh, but it just goes to show that a guy like Rico was even having problems trying to, you know, stay committed to it, trying to stay um, consistent on it. Uh, and it was one of those nights where it was hard to put two laps together, really. Two string two laps together and, and stay consistent the entire way. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and some some of the drivers, it, it appeared that some of the drivers were kind of cheating it in up to the curb a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's kind of what you had to had you what you had to do a little bit, especially if your car wasn't handling quite right. But even I feel like Buddy's car wasn't handling very well i mean there was a couple times in the race where i was like oh my goodness he's gonna just wreck all by himself but sometimes that's sprint car racing right if the, i mean you could have the best handling car in the world if the tracks like it was how it was on placerville i mean there's i don't know how you could set up for a, a track that's got a you know foot and a half cushion on it uh and your driver's got to hit it to, to be mm-hmm. fast you know i mean i i'm no crew chief or anything like that but i can't imagine that it's easy to put something together for your driver to to hammer it all the way through the race and hope they don't make some kind of mistake or, you know, get the front end off the ground or throw it over or whatever, you know. So 
Um, I don't know if anybody had the, the right uh, recipe to, to get around there perfectly. Buddy was manhandling the car around the track, and you could tell in his victory lane interview, he was, he was pretty wore out. I'm sure his arms were getting a little tired there having to, you know, get that thing around the track for 40 laps around Placerville. Uh, we all saw the disappointment of Buddy uh, when uh, he had the engine blow up up at Houston Speedway for the High Bank Nationals. It doesn't get any better than this for him to win his first outlaw race uh, in there California. in front of that crowd. Just talk about the reaction from the crowd for Buddy at Placerville the other night. Yeah, it was awesome. And the thing is with that crowd at Placerville, uh, they, I feel like the crowd there, no matter what, they, they show up even on any – other night right if it's a 360 show a weekly 360 show whatever they've always got a really good following at that place and the fans are so rowdy even for the dwarf car man they were i was watching them. they were getting into it man they were clapping their hands and hooting and hollering and fist pumping and all kinds of stuff even you know in the dash they were fist pumping for a pass for fifth and um they're just a really rowdy crowd that we don't see at many places around the country. That kind of reminds me a little bit of Hopstadt in Indiana. Uh, the fans just get really into it a lot, and they're cheering for every single guy. They're cheering for every single pass, every battle. Um, and so they're going to cheer for a guy like Buddy who doesn't live too far away from there. And uh, he grew up, as a, like I mentioned earlier, like a you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old kid. Uh, that was one of the very few places that would allow him to run uh, due to his age on a, a pretty regular basis. You know, Fernley, Nevada was the very first place for Buddy, but then Placerville, you know, was kind of the next one. So a lot of those fans watched him, uh, you know, driving Dan Simpson's four car way back in, you know, 2017, 18, which doesn't sound like very long for us. But for him, I mean, that was when he was just a kid, you know. So yeah. um, those those fans, they, they remember Buddy. They're, they were happy to see him win. Obviously, Roth is a California-based team. So it was just a big night for for really Buddy, the fans, and Roth uh, all together. It was, it was a really special night. All right, you're headed back east. Eldora and Sharon this weekend. Uh, Brad Sweet with a 90-point lead over David Gravel and Carson Macedo. Just a handful of weeks left, uh, Chase. It seems insurmountable for Brad Sweet at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. But uh, I was talking to David, uh, David Gravel, last week or maybe the week before, and he mentioned that at Sharon, at this race of Sharon, uh, last season he was like 70-something points behind. And then by Charlotte he was only 14 behind. But that was because of a mistake or a, a mechanical failure for Brad at, at Williams Grove National Open when he had that rear end snap in half, you know. So yeah. I, I guess you can't really say that it's over until it's over. But right now I just I don't see it happening. Brad's been faster than David every weekend. He's been getting beat by David's been getting beat by Brad every weekend. Uh, Carson, obviously, he beat Brad at Placerville, but he didn't beat him at, at Hanford, you know, a place where Carson's, that's one of his best tracks. So, to me, I think uh, Brad's well on his way to a five-time, you know, five-in-a-row championship. And, I mean, if that's the case, then he earned it. You know, he's been the best guy all year. Yep. I think, well, I mean, I, I think David's kind of been, you know, at the beginning of the year, he's the best car. He's got 10 wins, but he hasn't been the most consistent guy. And that's kind of what uh, has been. Uh, you know, obviously every single year, that's how Brad wins it, man. He's just been so consistent, and, and David and Carson can't quite find that yet. Yeah, uh, so at Placerville, he started 10th, he ran 11th. That's a pretty non-typical night for Brad Sweet. Yeah, absolutely, especially at that track. I feel like that's a place, that obviously, he also kind of grew up 
racing out a little bit when he first got started in the wing cars. Um, and I thought he did a little bit better. But really, I mean, the Outlaws, they, I mean, McFadden was first and, and Carson was second. Or no, sorry, McFadden was third, Carson was second. And they were really the only two Outlaws that were doing much of anything at Placerville. Uh, there was a lot of California guys in there. There was a lot of the invaders like Rico in there uh, as well. Um, so the Outlaws just seemed to really struggle at Placerville, which is no surprise. I mean, it's, it's not a track that, it's not a track that we see on a very regular basis, a track that small with that big of a cushion on it with the competition level that we see with 40 some, almost 40 cars showing up, you know? So no surprise to see that a couple of them guys struggling, but Brad was kind of a surprise for sure, because uh, he's won there before. Uh, he was also promoting that event. Um, and that those types of quarter mile racetracks seem to be right up his alley, but just wasn't uh, in the cards for him at all on uh, Saturday night. But either way, uh, I mean, I'm still I don't know where Gravel finished, but I think that they were right next to each other. So yeah, um, nothing for him to really be too worried about. I don't think. Yep, no doubt. Chase, thanks so much for joining us on the show each and every week. We can't thank you enough for doing so. It's going to be a big weekend at Eldora this weekend, and we're looking forward to watching that race on Dirt Vision. Yeah, absolutely. should be a good weekend. Uh, people getting, you know, uh, prepared coming up here. I, the Tuscarora got, got rescheduled, so Eldora is a big track. Maybe we'll see a couple of the all-star guys uh, being, you know, racing with us at Eldora trying to get their – big track stuff ready so it should be a fun week and obviously sharon's obviously a really fun track too so looking forward to that and we'll uh, talk to you guys next monday all right thanks, thanks chase thank you chase See appreciate ya. it yeah you mentioned the tuscarora 50 that's been rescheduled for october the 5th leading into the outlaws weekend at uh, port royal speedway so the rescheduled date for that and just one quick thing the national sprint car hall of fame and museum's got a couple of big sweepstakes going on right now the uh, sprint car raffle is taking place as we speak. And uh, also the, the 2024 Corvette, yeah, that, that's open right now too. But go to winsprintcar.com uh, to sign up for the new Triple X chassis with the new Al Parker Racing Engines 410 cubic inch uh, engine. That drawing is going to be in December of 2024. So get signed up for that and go to winz06corvette.com uh, to sign up for the 2024 Corvette at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame. You still got a couple of weeks left. Go check out the Williams Grove exhibit up at the Hall of Fame. And, of course, yep. the gift shop is always open. The National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, outside of a couple of holidays, they're closed. They're open the year around. So make sure you check it out, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, and get signed up and all for a great cause of uh, helping grow the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. And we also want to give a, a big shout-out to our friends up at Liberty RV. We just purchased an RV from them, and it, it, it's got four bunk beds in it. It's, it's got enough space for a, an entire family in it, doesn't it, Kurt? Sounds like you've uh, used it. Pretty well this weekend down there. Had, had let, some let me stay in it. Let me weekend. tell you something, Kirk. When that storm rolled in on Saturday night, that RV was a rocking. Let me tell you, it was moving all over the place, man. I'm telling you. Well, that's a scary situation. A week after we get it. Hey, it, it's not as scary <laughs> as when Scotty Cook and I 
were with Brian Holwert up at Billings, Montana, in that in that box. Remember that, Scotty, when we were up there in that box and that tornado came through there, and and that was a scary deal, wasn't it? He got moved over to the other line. He got hung up on accidentally there. I don't know what happened, but line two should be. All right. Is this Scotty right here? Should be. Yeah. Scotty. You got it. Hey, Scotty, I was just talking about the time that you and Brian and I were in that that box up at Billings, Montana, in the announcer's booth, and that storm blew in there, and that thing was a-rocking, wasn't it? We about blew all the way back to Kansas. Yeah, no doubt. That would have been a heck of a ride, Scotty. I think that off. was documented, as a matter of fact. Brian pulled his phone out, as he always documents everything, and uh, we rode that sucker out. Boy, it got crazy up there. Yeah. Hey, Scotty, that storm on Saturday night that rolled in there, I think the track made a good decision not to try to run that race and called that race pretty quickly, didn't they? Well, there's no doubt about it, Scott, because um, my brother and I actually sat in a vehicle right in the paved pit area under the lights. And uh, while that storm blew through, and I'm going to tell you what, there was a, we were on a, a little downhill grade, and there was a river rolling off of the pavement. Um, I don't know how much rain fell, but there was a ton of precipitation that fell out of the skies in Wheatland, Missouri, on Saturday night. And had they chosen to go forward, we'd have been there until dawn yesterday morning. So <laughs> no 100%, there's no doubt that, yes, it was a good call, and uh, there was no way that we wouldn't have had anything less than a four- or five-hour delay had they chosen to go forward. Hey, and, and, Scotty, that wind was pretty strong as well, and the lightning was pretty bad as well, wasn't it? Yes, there was a bolt of lightning that struck somewhere back behind the press box that knocked all the lights out. Uh, fortunately, they came back on, but, uh, yeah, Mother Nature opened up and got pretty busy there. Uh, when that storm rolled in and uh, the skies started darkening up and getting ugly and I was herding cats trying to get to people to uh, a staging area and I wish I'd have had a dollar for every crew member and driver that said, hey, do you know that it's about to rain? Well, duh. Hello, Captain. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah. We were, uh, we were basically really just trying to get cars on the track and at the very least get the program started so that the fans didn't think that we were just trying to drag our toes and wait for it to rain. We did want to proceed, and uh, and we did. And we and, and I told one and I told all, we're going to go until it rains, and then we're going to reassess. Well, that's what we did. We yeah. started, and we knew we weren't going to get but one or two hot lap sessions in. But at the very least, that's what we wanted to do, and that's what we did. And it, well, the one thing that we've all learned that uh, – there's not one thing you can do about Mother Nature other than uh, go with her plan. Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, Scotty, we had some lightning strike right behind our RV, and it, I, I think it hit the lake. I'm not sure, but, man, let me tell you something. That that was a shocker when that, that, yeah. that thing hit right back there. So how about Ryan Timms dominating that race the other night, Scotty? Um, actually, Scott, not a surprise really to me. Um, 
we we all know full well how much talent that young man out of Oklahoma City has, and for the last two years, um, you know, we've believed that there's nothing but raw and pure talent, and the future is so bright for that young man. So when he chose the 11th hour to roll into Wheatland this weekend and compete with us, um, we knew that he'd be one uh, for the rest of the field to contend with because uh, he is just literally that good. He came out swinging on his qualifying night, and he and Jimmy Jones and Billy Lawhead and crew picked right up where they left off yesterday and uh, took that pay dirt home, and it was not one surprise to me. But on the flip side of that, there were a lot of surprises, a lot of pleasant surprises of guys who let alone got, um, let alone made progress in the field, but let alone uh, just that even got in the field. So, right. um, you know, you talk about the likes of Jeff, Jeffrey Newell off the top who got the hard charger award. I think he came from 22nd to 11th. Um, Fargo, North Dakota's Tim Estenson. He got him a top five. He was competing up into the top three there for a moment. Um, the man, Sean McClellan, <coughs> excuse me, picked up a big qualifying night win, and then, man, he was right up in the mix, uh, duking it out with Blake Hahn there for the second spot, and then he faded. But um, I think what – let's see. Uh, I think Sean – well, he ended up fading to six. Sixth. But, yeah, uh, yeah um, you know, just a lot of pleasant surprises this weekend of guys that, uh, you know, I mean – well, obviously, Sean, you know, he he's a very good competitor, and you always expect him to, to fare well wherever he goes. But, you know, when you throw nearly 100 of the best 360 drivers in the country, you got to be up on your game if you want right. to be in the mix come showtime. And there were a lot of guys that uh, you wouldn't expect to be there, you know. Um, it was just really cool to see. Monster <laughs> Miles Paulus out of Marshall, Missouri, a top 10. Um Jeffrey Newell out of Tulsa finishing 11th. He picked up his first American Sprint Car Series trip to Victory Lane earlier this season. So a lot of cool things went on this weekend and uh, quite a few pleasant surprises filling the field and competing well. Hey, you know, I thought Sean had a a move. He was getting ready to make and and pass Tim's and the yellow come out. And that kind of niched his deal, didn't it? Yeah, it did, and, you know, we were obviously day – excuse me, obviously daytime racing isn't any fun for anyone. And so for Danny Lorton and everyone at the Lucas Oil Speedway, Terry Maddox, the American Sprint Car Series, Kenny Brown, the Power Eye, you know, it was a uh, coordinated chaos yesterday – um, trying to keep up with the track and give the fans the best possible product. The event drug on for quite some time, um, especially prior to the startings of the both A-mains and A-main events. But um, toward the latter part of last night's uh, event, um, it, it, it kind of drug on for, for the very reason of wanting to allow the sun to get on down. Um, because had we not, um, we'd have had a junk racetrack for both A main events and we didn't want that. We kind of, kind of drug our toes a little bit 
and wanted the sun to dip down over the horizon so that uh, it wasn't baking the track up as much once we got cars on the track. And I think all things given, considering all the circumstances and all the laps that we had to put on that racetrack yesterday afternoon, we had a pretty doggone good racetrack for both A mains last night. Yeah, no doubt about it. Ricky Lewis picks up the win. Xavier Doney, he, he gave a little pressure on Ricky Lewis. And um, what did you think about that non-wing race, Scotty? Well, I think that Ricky Lewis is a very talented young man out of California. It was really cool to see how tickled he was to pick up that win uh, from so traveling from so far away to get here just to compete. And he was tickled to death. Uh, the one thing that stands out to me over th- this weekend per the non-wing uh, portion of the event is one aforementioned Xavier Doney, the young man that graduated out of the micro mini sprints, and he's been driving sprint cars now. I believe this might be his third season, and Xavier, out of uh, your neck of the woods over there in Odessa, has become an outstanding, young, talented uh, driver. It is remarkable to me the progress he has made since he's jumped into a full-blown sprint car, and he is real fun to watch, and he was up there in the mix with uh, Cor- Battlefield Missouri's Corey Shooty for the top spot for the front front portion of that A main, and then Ricky Lewis come barnstorming through. I believe he come all the way from the 11th spot to take that win last night, and the uh, the non-wing portion of last night's Hockett Memorial was very very entertaining the jesse hockett racing 77 piloted by lone jack missouri's jack wagner started 18th had had made his way up to sixth, and then had to go pit side for a problem during a caution flag he was able to get back out start back in the rear of the field and managed to uh thrash his way to a top 10 as well so kudos to uh jack wagner uh carrying the tribute car and taking it for a ride last night and wowing the fans. He is a ve- another young man that's been remarkable watching his progress uh, the last two or three years, making Jack and Connie Hockett so very proud. Yeah, no, and, and we want to give a shout-out to Casey Schumann. He was driving 24W car. He started, right. he started 21st and ended up running 5th. No doubt about it. Uh, Casey – Long in the tooth and a wily old veteran, he flat knows how to get done, especially behind the wing of a non-wing sprint car. Not often have we ever seen him drive a wing sprint car, so it's uh, no doubt that he knows how to pilot a non-wing car, and he was certainly able to thrash his way through to the front as well. Casey is uh, definitely a never-give-up driver and very wise and, like to say, very veteran Hey, uh, Scotty, uh, you talked about all the pleasant surprises, the guys that did well in the non, in the wing portion of the ASCS uh, National Tour. On the other side of it, Wayne Johnson ended up, he looked like he had a fast enough race car, got caught up in a couple of things, not of his making, but uh, Ayrton Jeniton didn't make the A-Main on Saturday night. I was very surprised about that. Uh, yeah, I was too. I think Ayrton missed it by maybe one or two spots in the B main event and uh, things just uh, off just a bit for that 19 car. I think, you know, uh, since he's, uh, since the seat has changed for him and 
he got in the 19 car after the uh, Knoxville 360 Nationals. Uh, man, he's just a uh, it's been off a tick. Uh, there's no doubt that boy has um, talent, but they've just been having problems getting things all together and hitting on all eight all eight to compete. And uh, they were off just a tick this weekend, and they missed it by just one spot. And who else did you mention, Kirk? Uh, Wayne oh, Johnson. Uh, uh, Wayne. Wayne got caught. Wayne. Wayne was on a rail on his qualifying night. Yeah. Won his heat race. Uh, at one point, he was uh, working on a perfect score to put him up in contention for a great starting spot for the A main event, and had a great run on his uh, during his A main, and it kind of went awash when uh, young Cameron Martin out of Ankeny, Iowa, got sideways after he had gone a lap down. Um, I believe, well, uh, maybe one, maybe two uh, of the leaders had gotten around him. And then uh, after he was following the second-place car, he was rolling through turns three and four and got wide out of turn four and sideways and collected Wayne Johnson, Matt Covington, and I don't recall who else. So that kind of put a chink in uh, Wayne's plan. And, yeah, it, it kind of sucks for Wayne because, uh, man, he was he, – he came out swinging. He was very, very fast on his qualifying night. And then that accident just kind of put him behind the eight ball for the rest of the weekend for sure. No uh, doubt. And, and, listen, Derek Hagar I thought was going to be a player. Yeah, after, he's the other guy. After a fourth-place finish right. on his qualifying night, he ended up starting 10th. He ran 12th. Um, I was a little surprised that he didn't make more progress than yeah. that. I was very surprised at that as well. Um, obviously, a past pocket memorial champion. I believe in um, he won it in 2014, and then he came back in 2015 and won it without the wing. And from that year forward, every year that he has competed in the Hockett Memorial, he's been right in the mix. There have been a lot of podiums since that championship run with the wing and without of the wing, without a wing. And every time he shows up at the Hockett Memorial, he's got something figured out about that place. And he, in years past, I guess, what has that been, uh, eight, nine years now, um, you know, you always just figure that he is going to be one to beat and one to compete with night in and night out at any Hockett Memorial. And he was another one that was – Derek was just off a tick this weekend. And uh, I think maybe – I don't know if he used up his tire. I'm not sure – missed the setup. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, not not exactly what Derek set out for this weekend. But uh, nonetheless, man, what a great guy. Uh, what a great family. What a beautiful family. And no doubt. those people are – are some of the best people we've met up and down the road for sure. Uh, Jason Martin, uh, second place finish. He had a big smile on his face finishing second because he knows this championship is his. Uh, I take it the uh, short track nationals, that's on a full points night, right? So you've got four nights left in the points racing. He can celebrate right now, can he not? Well, this this is said without me knowing exactly what the the margin is, but the last I knew a couple of races races ago it was a hundred points. Um, and Matt Covington, let's see, he oh my gosh, did Matt win up in Spencer, Iowa the other night? Yes, yes, I he believe did. didn't he? Sixty-seven um, points though, isn't it? Say it again. 
So I see 67 points. That's as yeah, of the I, 15th of uh, September. So that is that. Yeah, so if I was a points leader and I was only ahead by 67 points with uh, four races to go, no, I would not be celebrating because we've seen full well in the past, Scott and I, with our own very eyes, back in 2015, won Brad Loyette with four or five races remaining on the 2015 schedule on that Desert Southwest swing. He had, I believe, Scott, help me out, he had about a 100-point lead, yep. maybe not that much, and over he lost. Jason Johnson, and the wheels fell off. Jason Johnson picked up his first win of the year on the last race of the year in 2015 to pick up his fourth American Sprint Car Series championship. So, no, if I were Jason Martin, no, I would not be counting my chickens and celebrating a championship at this point. But with that being said, go ahead. 67. Hey, Scotty, if you remember right, in 2011, Shane Stewart had a 137-point lead, and Johnny Herrera closed it up to within one point on the final night. Do you remember that? I remember it full well because the last race in uh, Tucson, Arizona, at the USA Raceway, there were – uh, a lot of feelings hurt between uh, Shane Stewart and I believe Jeff Swindell and I believe Johnny was in the mix of that as well. If you recall that night, they were all they cussing each other out, weren't they? They were all three cussing each other out. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no doubt about that. It's yeah. hard to believe that we can remember back that far when I can't remember who won the last race. But yeah, um, so no, to answer your Kirk, uh, question, Kirk. There's no way if I was Jason Martin that I'd be counting my chickens and celebrating a championship yet. But with that being said, it has been above and beyond remarkable to me to witness the consistency out of Jason Martin this season. He has been phenomenal. He's been on the podium almost every race. I believe 75% of the races and uh, win after win after win. Um, and with that, Matt Covington has been just as consistent. And the only thing that's not kept this points championship a little bit tighter is a hiccup here and there for Covington. Uh, and if, if Matt was on here, he'd say, well, you know, per, per usual, I've always been fast and I've always been consistent, but there's always a hiccup here or there that jumps up in my way. But with that being said, it's been really fun to watch his points championship boil down between these two and even more remarkable to see the consistency and the speed of Jason Martin. I mean, there's no doubt he's talented and there's no doubt he's fast, but just purely and simply the consistency that he has displayed this year has been a really fun thing to see. And what a humble, great guy he is. And he is all business rest assured. He wants more than anything to get these last few events wrapped up so they can finally carry this championship home. It, it, it would be well-deserved if he was able to do that. And with that said as well, you know, Matt Covington's not going to let him sleep. He's going to be hawking him down to the wire. And, you know, a footnote to what we're talking about on this championship race, it was a midway point late spring last year down in the state of Louisiana, down in Shreveport. When Matt Covington and Jason Martin got together down the back straightaway at the Boot Hill Speedway and destroyed Jason's car, and Jason got a concussion out of that, 
And he, to this day, still doesn't remember anything about that night. And he was pissed at Matt for quite some time. And it's been really cool to see those guys um, put that under the shelf and put it behind them. And they've really become pretty good friends. I see those two throughout the course of any event all season long spending time with each other and just talking about life, talking about setups throughout the course of any event that we're at. So, you know, racing's racing and rubbing's racing and feelings are going to get hurt always. But to see how those two have put that aside after they got together and got a little pissed off at each other last season down in Louisiana and have become genuinely pretty good friends after that occurred, and now they're both involved in one heck of a points championship. It's been real special to see. Yeah, the, 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 hold on a second. Hey, listen, Matt Covington has been in the middle of these championship battles for years, and I'm I'm gonna tell you, I'm I've been kind of pulling for Matt Covington because he's been out on the national tour for as long as we have been, right? He's the he's the uh, he's the uh, senior member of the circuit now. No right. one's been out on the tour consistently year after year as long as Matt Covington has been. He's been out there ever since we've been out there for sure. Yep. Uh, the two big nights uh, uh, recently that Matt Covington has done very well at Lakeside Speedway and uh, Spencer, you pointed that out. Clay County Fair, where he finished second to Terry McCarl and Jason Martin oh, was tenth. Right. At Spencer, so those are the two big nights that Matt Covington can lean on. And now, how's he going to do at Lake Ozark Speedway and Devil's Bowl Speedway? Those are the two big tracks for points, right? That are left. Well, Matt goes pretty decent at uh, um, Devil's Bowl Speedway. They've got something figured out. He uh, he'll come in there, and I'm going to be quite honest and quite frank. Maybe I shouldn't even say this, but. Uh, but I'm going to. Scott, you know, I don't have much of a filter, right? Right. Um, I would be very, very, very surprised if the uh, event at Lake Ozark Speedway happens. Um, just particularly because I know what the weather is like in central Missouri that time of year. It's Halloween weekend. Um, just considering the circumstances, the speedway, and uh, I would, I hope it does. I really do hope it does, but I would be, I will be very, very, very surprised if that event happens. Yeah. No wow. doubt. Okay. So we'll keep, Hey, uh, coming up the short track nationals, no longer at I 30 speedway. That's done. Now moves to Texarkana 67 speedway in a couple of weeks. And there's still some big money on the line. Just kind of a new venue for the Short Track Nationals. How do you see this event coming up in a couple and, of weeks? And on top of that, Scotty, it pays twenty thousand dollars to win. To win, right? Twenty thousand. Yeah, we um, had got had a had an opportunity to visit with Tim Crawley for a good while this weekend, and he's really, really excited about this event coming up. And man, I got to give kudos to Tim. What a he is just a gritty old bastard, you know, for a guy to take himself and his son short of resources, short of help, and to be hell-bent that both of them were going to compete on the American Sprint Car Series Tour and not miss one race 
in his swan song season before he retired last year. Uh, and then when that's all said and done, if that wasn't enough, let's uh, put the suit and gloves on the mothballs and the helmet in the box and put on a promoter's cap and become the promoter general manager at the Texarkana 67 Speedway. Uh, like I said, I said, you thought you were busy last year with you and your boy out on the road. Uh, that ain't nothing compared to what you've dove into. And he wholeheartedly agreed 100%. You know, when you're running a racetrack, just as soon as you get one project completed, there's three more that need to be taken care of. And yeah. he found that out first firsthand being the promoter general manager down there at Texarkana this season. But he is really, really excited, especially since they've uh, come up with the uh, sponsored funds to come up with that $20,000 to win three days, October 5, 6, and 7, down in uh, Texarkana, Arkansas, at the Texarkana 67 Speedway. And, you know, we don't know what to expect other than we have been to the Texarkana Speedway in the past on the American Sprint Car Series, a very racy track. It's well lit. Um, The crowds have been good this year. And we always have in the past known what the atmosphere and the environment is like for the short track nationals. And so to pick that event up and uh, once I-30 Speedway is closed in Little Rock, Arkansas, and to carry it forward in Texarkana, it's going to be a special deal. Nobody really knows what to expect. We're all going in blind. But my gut tells me it's going to turn into a very, very big deal. And I think there's going to be a huge car count especially for that much money to win. And I think there's going to be a real, real big crowd. I'm really, really excited to get down there to uh, see Tim Crowley and get this uh, first short track nationals at the Texarkana Speedway underway. It's going to be fun. I wish you'd come down, Kirk and Scott. Uh, Hey, I think I might come down there. I might end up coming down there for the short track nationals. Um, Landon Crowley, he started 21st and ended up 16th. He made the A main on Saturday night at, down there at the uh, Jesse Hockett Danny McMillan Memorial. That little fart's coming along, man. Junior, as Tim calls him, uh, is is quite fun to watch. Um, Tim, uh, Landon's driving style is a little bit different than Tim's. Uh, Tim was always not that he wasn't. T- Tim was always very tenacious. And and sometimes aggressive when he needed to be, um, but Tim was always very very tactical um, on when he needed to make his move, how he needed to put himself into position, uh, and so forth. Landon's just all out throttle. I mean, <laughs> that, that kid is wild. He's fun to watch because he's just ass wild uh, as most young kids are when they get no behind doubt. the wheel of the sprint car. Um, and once he gets uh, a few years of seat time under his belt and the knowledge and the tactician portion comes into play as his father was, I think Landon's going to be pretty formidable here in about two or three years once he uh, gets a little bit more seat time because he's already fast, he's just young, and he's just real wild. And, uh, you know, most of these kids, when they got talent, they don't they don't take time to think about anything other than how hard they can romp on the throttle. 
Yeah. And that's basically what I see out of Landon. And I think that once he gets uh, once he gets some knowledge uh, coupled in with some seat time the next couple of years, I think Landon's going to be pretty damn good. He's already shown that he's good and that he's got talent. It just takes a little time to gel and mold and learn. And I think if Tim was sitting right here, he would uh, agree with the very same. Scotty? Let's uh, let's talk about the first two nights of the Jesse Hockett Daniel McMillan Memorial. There was a lot of rubber laid down on those first two nights, wasn't there? There was, man. You know, and I'm not going to bonk, bonk anybody's balls because you take uh, what did we have each night? Well, we had uh, 90 entrants total. A lot uh, of cars uh, for the wing and 60 some for the non-wing. You take that many cars, uh, even when we cut the field in half, uh, you just have to constantly keep up with the racetrack. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot of rubber put down, especially yesterday. Yesterday was a given because we raced during the daytime, and that's just what you get racing in the daytime. But the first two nights, um, I think they did miss it just a bit. And, again, I want it to be known that I'm not absolutely bonking anybody's balls because uh, if, anyone, if anyone wants to ever bitch and gripe about a racetrack and the product that they see, yeah, yeah, no I, would wholehearted, I would wholeheartedly invite them to uh, – I, I, here's the keys to every piece of equipment that you need, and let's see what you can do with it. Right. People don't understand or realize the thought – uh, the everything that goes in to providing a a good racetrack it's it's not it it it's damn near short of rocket science. You really have to factor wind, weather, car count, sunshine, everything, humidity, dew point, uh, what kind of a surface you're working with, and so. It's not just with the snap of a finger you're going to get a really good racetrack. It takes a lot to, to of thought and everything to um, put forth a good surface. And don't don't think for a minute that those folks in Wheatland don't know what they're doing and that that they don't have every possible um, resource available. You know, and you also you can't lay the blame on on just uh, just just the track. You know. Yeah. Uh, the track, the track always gets together with the uh, series owners and managers uh, to see what they want, and then when they find out what they want, they get together and figure out how they're going to do it to best get, get as close as they can to provide what they want. And so, yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to bonk on anyone, and I'm just going to say, hey, hey, sometimes you miss it just a bit. And we did miss it just a bit this year. And so so what? We'll come back next year and we'll do it again. Hey, l- let me tell you something. <laughs> the effort put into that racetrack, they worked as hard as they could. Every night they they, they tried to do something with that racetrack. There's it, no it, doubt about it. There, and, wasn't, and there it, wasn't lack of effort trying to get no, that racetrack right. Absolutely not. No doubt at all. And – uh, that's that's speaking for the first two nights, and the obvious was yesterday with all the rain that went down on the track uh, the night before, and then yesterday was a beautiful, blessed day down there, and uh, a lot of sunshine, a lot of wind 
Well, sunshine and wind during a daytime race is a racetrack's worst enemy. So we got everything that the sun and wind provides on a racetrack yesterday, and that's rubber. And what do you do to keep up with that? Nothing other than ripping the track up and rewatering it and rerunning it in. And that's what we had to do yesterday. And I, I, I've got to give so many kudos to the track prep guy and the people at the Lucas Oil Speedway for busting their asses all day long yesterday. Yesterday was a long day, and uh, they did everything that they could do to give us a really good surface. And, uh, you know, given all of those factors yesterday, we ended up having what we could you know, uh, what we could work with. I mean, that, that, that's, that's all we could get, you know, mother nature will only allow you so much. And we get, we went yesterday with what mother nature allowed us provided the track equipment and all the manpower to uh, fight it. And so uh, I just say thumbs up, pat on the back out of boys to everyone who busted their butts yesterday to keep up with that surface and pretty two pretty remarkable, uh, racetracks last night for both a mains given everything that we had went through yesterday afternoon to try to keep up with it yep no doubt about it scotty i can't thank you enough for being on the show today bud i i appreciate you taking the time to do so and uh i can't thank you uh, you did you did a great job this weekend down there in p- reporting from the pits from the on the track um, just everywhere. You did a great job this weekend, bud. Well, I thank you guys and I love you guys. And, uh, I was taught by you guys and, uh, you know what, this being the biggest event of the year. Um, and it adds a little personal touch since Jesse and I were such great friends. And I was trying to describe to a couple of people last night that this event just literally, let alone physically, emotionally, it just taps you, it drains you. And, you know, you just go in there and you do the best job you can do. And um, I tease people and tell them that once I get into my element and it's go time, I just push that autopilot button and I just ride it out and fly by the seat of my ass and everything sometimes somehow seems to work out. But uh, with that, man, I got to tell you guys, I love you so much. Kirk, shame on you for choosing to go watch a bunch of shoeboxes go around in circles and miss the uh, biggest sprint car race of the year. But I'll always love you. <laughs> hey, it's Knoxville, though, Scotty. It's Knoxville. Hey, it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Doing... It was shoeboxes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if it was Knoxville or Texarkana. Or... It don't matter. It was shoeboxes, Kurt. That's yeah, right. we'll, see, we'll see you soon down the road. Great job, uh, as always, uh, this weekend, Scotty. Yeah, Scott, thanks for uh, putting my brother up for a couple of nights as well. I really appreciate that. And, uh can't say how much I love you guys, and I always appreciate you. All right, Scotty. Thank you so much, Have buddy. Appreciate you. All right. We'll talk to you soon, brothers. All right. One other event that got uh, wiped out on Saturday or Sunday and had to be moved to today, actually got rained out yesterday, is the NHRA National Event at Maple Grove Speedway in Pennsylvania. That was finished up today. Doug Coletta gets his 50th win in top fuel robert height in funny car matt hartford in pro stock matt smith in pro stock motorcycle and what other winner tony stewart wins the top alcohol dragster today how about is, that is that his fourth win uh, i'm not really sure how I, many wins that is. i think he's he's won three and i think this is his fourth win 
Uh, I'm bringing up the uh, press release that they sent out from uh, Tony Stewart Motorsports here. And uh, let's see. Well, that's his second win of this year. But didn't he win two last year? No, no, you're right. Exactly. Stewart earned his fourth win in NHRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series. His three previous wins came in the NHRA Four Wide Nationals at Las Vegas, the North Central Division race in Indianapolis, and the Northeast Division race in Reading, Pennsylvania. So you're right. That's four wins. Four wins. Let me tell you something. That tells you how talented Tony Stewart is. Yeah. And it's a different, much different form of racing than what he was used to. See, he's had to relearn everything. No doubt about it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Mostly Motorsports. It's all been brought to you by Rod and Supply, featuring the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. They'll be racing up at I-35 this weekend. We can't thank you enough for tuning in to the show. We'll hope that you'll join us next week right here on Mostly Motorsports. Thanks to everyone. We'll see you next week right here on Mostly Motorsports. farming equipment or a race car rod and supply has the assortment of rod ends radius rods and specialty products that will help you lead the field in performance our superior design means our rod ends last longer and perform better giving you the edge on the track and saving you money contact rod and supply or order online today at rod we don't just sell them we race them rod serving the racing community for over 30 years